0: Good morning, good afternoon, everybody, depending on which part of this beautiful country that we're in. And welcome to the Rebel News Daily Roundup. I'm your host, guest host today. This is David Menzies' show. I'm Sheila gunn Reid, and I'm joined by my friend Drea Humphrey on the West Coast. Drea, how's it going?
1: Going pretty good. We still have some smoke in the air, but uh, there's been some rain out in Okanagan, so that's been good. Um, But uh, yeah, ready to do the show.
0: It's completely smoky here. Like I woke up thinking that someone was burning the garbage in our incinerator, and I was like, "That's my job. That's my favorite thing to do." (laughs) Because I left the window open, and it was so smoky. And then I looked back at like my Facebook memories, and six years ago, it was like so utterly smoking that smoky here that visibility was so low. And so when people say, "Oh, you know, these fires are unprecedented," no. (laughs) their annual this is where we live this is how it is Um, we've got a lot to talk about today and uh, I think we should get right to it Drea do you want to uh, do the explainer of what exactly we're doing here today
1: Sure. Welcome to the Daily Roundup, as Sheila said. If any of you are new, there's something really cool that we have. It's an option for you to be a part of the show and also support our journalism here at Rebel News. You can do that in a fun way, uh, uncensored way, depending on what you say. On YouTube, anyways. Um, if you go to Rumble or Odyssey, there is a chance to do a chat there. And then if you donate, we do our best to read those through the show and you can give us a comment, feedback. Sometimes tips come through. It's really interesting. Like the other day, someone continued on through my email. I'm working on a story with that. So very interesting. Uh, but anything you donate there, like I said, helps us keep the lights on here at Rebel News. So it's a great way to support us and we get to know you a little better.
0: Yeah, I, like it. I think it's an extension of what we do here at Rebel News where we sort of democratize the news. You know, we give mm-hmm. people a chance to get involved through <laughs> petitions, through whatever, and yeah. this is their chance to get involved and take the show in their own direction um, or to bring it back <laughs> to where it's supposed to be if David and Menzies and I are hosting because we tend to get a little off track. Um, let's uh, get to Doug Ford. Uh, yeah. I think... I think he had a conservative moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Shocking to find out. Um, So it sounds like he's pushing back on mass immigration into Canada. I think he's one of the few conservatives who are actually saying like, we need to pump the brakes. It's not fair to the Canadians who are here and to the new Canadians who hope to find a better life here um, to just not reign this in so that everybody can adjust, integrate and hit the ground running so that we have housing and resources and healthcare and education in place for all these people who are coming here. Let's slow down. Mm -hmm. And Doug Ford seems to be the only conservative talking about this, like only official conservatives, lots of normal conservatives like you and me. Uh, We talk about this stuff all the time. Like it's a, a basic law of supply and demand. Um, Nobody else is really talking about it. And that includes Pierre Polyevs, who one of his big things is affordability. So let's hear mm-hmm. from Doug Ford, figuring out that he was elected as a conservative all of a sudden.
2: <laughs> what people are seeing here after this integrity commissioner and auditor general's report is nothing but incompetence right from the chief of staff who decided to rush through a process to the housing minister who looked away because he thought it was going to be too politically sensitive to a premier who directed his housing minister to open up the green belt after promising ontarians that you would never touch the green belt well, but, so at, so i'll take like, but okay. but premier okay. at, at what point do do you take personal responsibility here and how are people to have trust in your leadership
3: well th- thank you for that colin and I'm, I'm sure you just walked down the street from your home that you have a <laughs> home but do you know how many people don't have a home colin there's hundreds on. Oh, there's hundreds of thousands of people that home hold oh, it there's hundreds of thousands of people that don't have homes and yes when i 2018 we didn't have a housing crisis do you know why we didn't have a housing crisis colin because there was no jobs here people weren't coming here because the last government lost 300,000 jobs there was no interest in coming to ontario but now since we've been in office we've created an environment and condition for people around the world to come to ontario let me finish colin to come to ontario when we have a housing crisis i have two options colin i sit back like the other government did and let the whole province fall apart or we move forward and we build homes because i know you colin a year down the road, if we don't have the homes, you're the first person that's going to be up here saying, why didn't you build the homes? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Well, Colin, guess what? We're going to build homes. We're going to build homes until people have the same opportunity that you have. You have a nice home down the street, but guess what? There's hundreds of thousands of people that don't have your opportunity that don't have the good paying job that you have. That's the difference.
0: I'm kind of shocked. I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of shocked. Usually like y- there were shades of Rob Ford there, um, yeah. which was good to see. Cause Rob would go scorched earth on the media. That's Rob mm-hmm. Doug Ford's, uh, dearly yeah. departed brother, former mm-hmm. mayor of Toronto. Um, he would push back on the media when, when they, you know, said something completely inaccurate or out of touch as this guy said. Um, mm-hmm. but Doug Ford rarely does that. He sort of, I mean, it's hard to watch Doug Ford press conferences because he sort of butt kisses to the same people who just chased his brother right into the grave. Um, but it it is true. Okay, so for those people who don't know, outside of Ontario, the Greenbelt is this chunk of protected land around what they call, I think it's the Golden Horseshoe. It's one of the most populous places in the country. And so it was protected, I think, by Dalton McGuinty way back in, uh, I think, 2005, 2006. It prevents um, large scale development and it's designed to protect farmland and other environmentally sensitive land. It was sort of made by an edict. It's not really one of those like essential biospheres, although it does have a lot of farmland. But here's the thing. And I'm not against protecting farmland, by the way, but Ontario also has lots of farmland that isn't directly adjacent to Canada's largest municipality that you could probably zone agricultural forever. The the thing is, the left needs to choose now. Do you want to be environmentalists? Or do you want to have mass unfettered migration into Toronto, you only can have one. So if you Mm -hmm. want to keep the green belt, okay, I'm willing to hear arguments. But I, I also don't like the government just protecting swaths of land via edict, because they'll do that to the oil patch, they did that to the Great Bear rainforest, which is not really a thing. It's just It just was like stroke of a pen. We're calling this the Great Bear Rainforest. It wasn't really a thing. And now you can't do anything there. And so I, I'm sort of against that idea, especially when it's uh, designed to shoehorn people into the big city, city and not let the city spread out. I'm not against cities spreading out in Canada. Like this idea that we should be against urban sprawl and pile people on top of each other sounds gross to me. That's yeah. what they do in some of the... Less affluent parts, less developed parts of the world is built upward instead of outward. We're a very big country. We've got lots of space. But Mm -hmm. you can only have one here. You can have all the migrants you want to the country and they flood into Canada's most diverse city, Toronto, where there are Mm -hmm. communities and people just like them and it makes integration a lot easier. You can go there, but you need to house them or you can have the green belt. So Doug Ford needs to be putting pressure on his buddy, Justin Trudeau, because they are very friendly lately to do something about the immigration levels. That's what I see.
1: Well, it's like you said, like the, even the people coming here, they're not signing up for this. We're essentially catfishing them. It's like come to Canada for the dream. Well, you end up homeless. Toronto's had issues with migrants, you know, laying out on the streets until the churches recently opened up to them. So this is ridiculous. What I secretly, I guess, openly now, since I'm saying it on the live stream, love about this is even though Doug Ford was elected as you know, progressive conservative, He's basically been a liberal. So you're seeing these progressives eat their own right now uh, when they have to fend for themselves. And which is the people going to care about more? Yes, of course, there is arguments to be had about you know preserving the green belt, but people need homes. It's as simple as that. And if you don't deliver or at least act like you care about that issue you might not get voted in next time, and I think that's really what we're seeing here. It's one of those issues where he has to stand up for the main concerns, which is housing, both for Canadians who live here and the Canadians who have recently come here. So,
0: yeah, you can have people a chunk trying of to be
1: Canadians, I should say.
0: Yeah, you can have a chunk of grass around Toronto where you can have houses. Like, th- yeah. the, they've they've got to pick a lane here now. Olivia whispers in my ear that there's a uh, like another part of this that's about a minute that maybe we should watch. So let's watch and then react. I haven't seen this yet.
1: Okay. integrity commissioner's report uh, showed that you sent the housing minister a mandate letter shortly after the last election. Why didn't you campaign about uh, opening up the greenbelt and these land swaps?
3: Well, I think I've answered this before, but I'll answer it again. You know, in the last election, we didn't have a housing crisis. And just up to a few months back, I didn't know the federal government was gonna bring in over 500,000. Now we learn that those aren't accurate numbers. It's probably up to seven, 800,000 are arriving. Like I didn't get a phone call from the minister. I didn't get a phone call from the prime minister saying, surprise, surprise, we're dropping these many people into your province. And, and by the way, good luck, you deal with them. That's the reason we have to make sure that we use every tool in our toolbox to build homes. So. I I ran on getting it done. I ran on building homes, making sure that we're building transit and infrastructure and schools and hospitals. And guess what, folks? We're the only government. We do what we say we're going to do. Some people may not like it, but we're going to get it done.
1: Well, there you go. Another, like, direct push at the Prime Minister there. So what's going on there? Yeah, and there's just a little,
0: like, side controversy here. So uh, Doug Ford campaigned on not opening up the green belt. But again, circumstances change and people need mm-hmm. houses, right? Yeah. And so what they did was last year the province took 7400 acres of land out of the green belt to build 50,000 homes, mm-hmm. but they replaced it with 9400 acres elsewhere. So not only did yeah. they huh. So they built some houses and they replaced it with more land somewhere else
1: oh that's reasonable
0: that's reasonable except it sounds like they were according to the integrity commissioner's report and take that for what you will sounds like they were (laughs) giving preferential treatment to some developers to get the land so instead of saying yeah so instead of saying hey what what's this cronyism happening here the media is hammering on the fact that you are building houses that people need building Mm -hmm. houses that people need is not the problem Or the controversy, the controversy is the alleged accusation that they're giving preferential treatment to some developers. Hammer him on that. That's the question. Yeah, don't don't hammer him on the fact that he swapped out some land so that people could live in Toronto. Uh, That seems like a reasonable thing to do and a good solution to a problem Doug Ford didn't create.
1: And it seems like there's a lot of tension in the room there during these questions. You can hear uh, people, he's like, Colin, let me finish. I don't know if he, Colin really does have a house down the street, but it almost seems like he's aware of that. Um, there's a lot going on there, but why are they so feisty over it? They're not even asking like the real journalistic question, as you say, and they're harboring on this issue when they probably do have their own houses and comfort. So it's it's about being out of touch altogether, it looks like.
0: Yeah, they're like, why didn't you keep your promise not to build in the green belt? That's not the problem here. <laughs> the yeah. problem is the cronyism. But yeah. uh, these people, they're just completely out of touch. <laughs> like, yeah, and Doug Ford called them on it. So um, yeah. I guess, you know, like Ben Shapiro used to have a segment of a show called Good Trump, Bad Trump. And I feel like <laughs> I'm having a, a moment of like, yeah, good Ford, bad Ford. And I'm in good Ford right now. Very strange. Yeah, that
1: was pretty good. Good Ford. I'll eat a piece of cheesecake to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very it's very destabilizing to me to see him yeah. do something good for once. Um, let's go, though. Um, now we're going to hit bad Ford. <laughs> next, <laughs> next topic. So we did good Ford, now we've got bad Ford. So Doug Ford's government uh, yeah. has got an anti-racism plan, doubles down on funding for DEI, so that's diversity, equity, and... What's the other one? Diversity. Yeah, inclusivity. Inclusion Um, or whatever. And left-wing groups. So Doug Ford, in a stroke of insanity, he is going to fund the groups that will turn around and campaign against him in the next election by calling everybody to the right of Chairman Mao, some sort of crypto-fascist neo-Nazi. That's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So he's literally funding his enemies and he's wondering why these people have the resources to go toe to toe with the conservatives in the next election. It's because you gave them the money.
1: That's so, it, it's ludicrous. And also it's just like, why do they have to destroy all these good words like diversity and inclusion? Like if they twist it, they abuse it. It's not even inclusive anymore. One of my aunts, I'm going to call her out, not by name. She got so mad at me because I said, like, actually, if anybody's getting judged by their skin, which if you read the article, that's what it says, like, oh, maybe I'll just read that first and then I'll go back to what my aunt, <laughs> why my aunt's mad at me. Um, so it says uh, they are face. Oh, that's the wrong thing. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I can't find it. But oh, you have it on. Sorry. I'm a little not feeling that well. So. Bear with me. Uh, too many individuals are denied opportunities or face discrimination because of the color of their skin, their cultural identity, or their beliefs, says Ontario's minister. So this is part of the reason why they're throwing millions upon millions of dollars into this garbage. And I said the other day on my like personal Facebook that you know if anybody is facing d- discrimination by their skin, it's actually like white middle-aged men and boy did I almost lose some family members (laughs) that one but it's so true because they are the last to get any perks in anything right now um And, you know, even as I would go as far as to say younger adults who are white, like even scholarships, like when my daughter was going through her scholarships and stuff, there was actual like preferences to kids who are in the LGBTQ plus community uh, or racialized, or you can see even the way they want you to write essays and stuff like that. It's just so tainted. And to see a government giving millions and millions and millions into this nonsense that you're right is probably going to end up biting them in the end. I guess, rightfully so. It's just, it's getting nauseating and it's happening in every government, not just there.
0: Uh, yeah, this is insane. And it doesn't actually recognize, um, if you care about diversity and equity, Ontario is the place for you, by the way. Yeah, That's like, instead of saying we need to fund all these yeah. anti-racism initiatives, you should be touting Toronto as a real success story for uh, the Canadian multicultural mosaic, as they say. Um, the most diverse, I think it was in 2022, uh, Ontario was, de- uh, sorry, not Ontario, but Toronto itself was declared the most multicultural city in the world by the United Nations and the BBC. I don't know how the BBC issue horned themselves <laughs> into that. But anyways, it's the most diverse city on the face of the planet. Um, according to official data, over half the city's residents were born outside of Canada. And I think there are more visible minorities yeah. than white people in Toronto. I think that's the number. Um, uh, so, like, if if that's the case, then how <laughs> so can diverse. there be so much racism in Toronto? Like, look at uh, the number of immigrants in Toronto. Over half the population was born outside of the country, not just outside of Toronto. And there are more people of color than there are white people there.
1: Yeah.
0: That should be that should be like you shouldn't be funding the busybodies to complain about Toronto and Ontario. You should be mm-hmm. celebrating Toronto mm-hmm. as a success story to behold around the world. But no. Exactly. It, just self-hating nonsense all the time.
1: It's always that. And, you know, it reminds me of um, Candace Owens' documentary of where the the money for Black Lives Matter went. It's not going to help, you know, Black lives, impoverished lives. Instead, it went to interest groups like this too, you know, like the LGBTQ community, which is not a prominent community in the Black community. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's always about following the money.
0: Yep, it sure is. And so Doug Ford is funding his enemies and he's wondering why things are going to go poorly for him in the next election, or at least he'll have the, he'll be in for a real fight in the next election. And, um, it's because he gave his political enemies, government resources. Good job, Doug. Good job. So we had good Ford and bad Ford (laughs) balance, yin and yang. And I feel better because, um, I know Doug Ford to be more progressive than conservative. Uh, let's move ahead, though. Uh, Montreal won't return toppled John A. MacDonald's statue to its downtown pedestal. The statue was damaged. That's a neat way of saying vandalized uh, yeah. through mis- the mischievous, unlawful actions of protesters damaged. during anti-racism. <laughs> yeah, damaged. Uh, look at how the damaged um, during a protest in 2020. <laughs> um uh you know what this says that, to me? This says to what? me that you can can you can commit vandalism and actual mischief. Not Tamara Leach uh honking for freedom mischief, but like actual mischief. Like these people have damaged more public property than the entire mm-hmm. Freedom Convoy did in nearly four weeks. Yep. Um, and you can do it and eventually the state will capitulate because they knocked down that statue because they wanted johnny mcdonald erased from the public space yeah. and guess what montreal's like okay fine
1: you do it and everybody knows that if you do look at how dangerous that look was that that's so dangerous yeah i mean like i a- wouldn't look for the video but in a black lives matter protest they did the same thing and it actually like gave a, a dad brain damage it fell right on Jeez. his head um Yeah, no, it's horrible. And I'm still stuck on them using the word damage because I'm sure we all remember the words that the media used when uh, somebody put a Canadian flag on Terry Fox and made him pull the sign. He was defaced. (laughs) You know what I mean? We all know the freedom community loves Terry Fox. um, But that was... Defacing the statue, and this is just just a little bit of damage, no big deal, no big deal. And it's, it's His just head rolled away. ridiculous. And it tells people they can get away with this and do this over and over and opens up a a green light to it. Um, at least they're saying there's anger, yeah. There we go. Look, Look oh my gosh, defacing. So
0: he's got a Canadian <laughs> flag on him. Oh my lord. Um, but yeah, you can like pull, yeah, you can pull down a statue in a public space with. Hundreds of onlookers. Police were everywhere that day and didn't do a damn thing. Knock the head off Johnny McDonald, and the city's like, "Fine, you get your way." Imagine parenting like that. <laughs> like
1: yeah. if, if you some people do did, it's, it's probably their kids. It's their kids taking the statue down. So yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: zero consequences. Those people yeah. didn't go to jail for fifty days like Tamara Leach. That's yeah. for sure. No. no. Um, let's go to this next one um, because. Uh, You've covered these sorts of stories pretty closely um, because of your unique cultural ties to these communities. Um, Saskatchewan First Nation claims 93 children are buried at Boval Indian Residential School. Near the northern Saskatchewan village of Boval, English River First Nation says they found the alleged graves of 79 children and 14 infants using ground-penetrating radar. What have we learned very yeah. recently about ground-penetrating radar? It can't find bones. It can only find rocks and other um, abnormalities yeah. under Anomalous. the soil. That's and, it. And, and still, we keep making this claim. But you know what I hope is that we actually put a shovel in the ground because the last yeah. two times they put shovels in the ground, they didn't what find happened? anything. They didn't find anything. Everybody was upset. They did it in Edmonton. They did it in the other place uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I forget, and that not nothing was found, and then everybody was all upset, and I'm like, shouldn't you be overjoyed? Yeah, actually Shouldn't you be happy? That's shouldn't you be happy that no genocide happened here? I would be relieved.
1: Um, well, that's the way and, it should be, and I have a report coming right. up where I say that in the report too. It's like this is a good thing. You don't want to find 215 children's remains, um, you know, under the ground, and you're right. The those who are actually excavating excavating, which is the only way to find out what's actually under the ground, they're not turning up with anything. And of course, there are some where they actually know these are in fact, or this was a grave site, it's just over years, the uh, crosses have broken down, like it's not some conspiracy, they knew that there was a graveyard for different reasons, it could be illness or whatever. Uh, In this article...
0: Also, yeah. these are the sites of churches. So the residential school is next yeah. door to the church. And exactly. what do we know about churches, especially like out here on the prairies? The graveyard is at the church because old you, churches. <laughs> you do the service and then you bury the people right outside of the church. Like yeah. Yeah, And it, sorry, it escaped me, but it was a Manitoba First Nation um, where they were absolutely convinced that there was a mass grave outside of the residential school. Mm-hmm. And they did, They did the, I think, the smart thing for a community yeah. to heal. And that is to actually find out what the truth is because there's, you know, everybody talks about truth and reconciliation. But if you want reconciliation, you got to get the truth
1: out first. Yeah. What happened to truth? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then uh, it was the Charles Campbell Hospital. It was a TB hospital here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And they thought there was a Derek Nipenak, that guy. Anyways. uh <laughs> Derek Napinak, I think uh, he he was one of those like anti-pipeline guys and it's like Derek you don't have any pipelines near you can you shut up so that the other First Nations can have jobs thank you very much like <laughs> Fort McMurray wants this stuff shut up we we won't put a pipeline near you Derek we promise um yeah. that's that's where I know him from and now he's like it, he's disappointed that no bodies were found there because well, he says it will feed denialist narratives you mean just, like the tr- it might feed the truth.
1: Yeah, feed the Oops. truth and and actual questions that should be asked. And I believe he's also saying, well, where did the bodies go? Like where maybe somebody moved them. And it's like, so it doesn't even end, even when you dig in the ground and you see it's not there. Um, and just back to the original art- article that we're looking at, they say in 1927, 19 students and one teacher died in a fire that destroyed the school and the the dorms there. Um, so that's 20 people that who could possibly be buried, but I bet you, if I dig into this, you're going to see that, you know, where they're buried, like the records are out there for the most part. And like, for example, back to the Kamloops Indian residential school, there simply just wasn't anywhere near 200 children missing. And like, you know, the gover these schools got paid per, per child. So it doesn't even make sense on so many levels for 200 students to have been murdered. It really doesn't. Um, so it's and sad also that- just
0: further to that, yeah. the Catholic Church is usually pretty good at keeping records. Like th- it yeah. was the record keeper of your birth, your baptism, mm. your marriage, your bar- like your death before long before the government kept track of those things. The church also keeps track of those things. And, mm. you know, like for example, if you needed a record of your birth and you were not registered with the province, your church had it. The church is really good at keeping these records. So they know who's in those cemeteries that are not now unmarked because they weren't maintained by the community. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, those records, as you say, 200 kids weren't missing because they know who went to the school.
1: Yeah. And, and the ones that unfortunately did die, they do have records of where they were buried, which were in nearby cemeteries. So it's, you know, it's sad that people are obviously hurting. And what I, what i think is why why embellish anything there are actual facts of some horrible things that took place in these schools why not just talk about those why do you have to embellish and go on here i don't understand how they don't know at this point that ground penetrating radar simply cannot detect i think they even say that there's 14 or 13 uh 14 infants so it looks like there's 79 children and 14 infants that's just It's not possible. It's not possible to do that with ground penetrating radar. If you haven't seen our documentary, um, if you go to camloopsdocumentary.com, it's still there. Um, I think it's behind the paywall. So I think it's what, $6 a month to get access to all of our stuff. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll release it for free soon, but check it out and you can see how we walk you through it and everything and the facts like that. And it's just really sad. And I think the most sad part is that our children are still being taught this narrative that's not supported by uh by facts and it's of course really troublesome for them when you could just talk about what we really do know has happened you know
0: yeah yeah and it just you know like every no country is perfect but ours is pretty good we don't yeah. have slavery here. Um you know, it's a it's a pretty yeah, great place to right. be if you're a visible or a sexual minority. It's why why we had these waves of mass migration to mm-hmm. this country and it just to teach little kids to hate their country, I think is a terrible terrible thing and the worst part is it's a lot of it is based on lies, exaggerations and hyperbole. Um, But I hope, here's my hope. I hope some... Doug Ford (laughs) Ford just came (laughs) on my phone. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) we're back to bad, Doug. Um, (laughs) I hope that somebody actually makes a complaint to the United Nations about genocide because of all the things that that the United Nations does quite poorly, including prevent genocide, they're really good at investigating (laughs) genocide after the fact, after they've done nothing to prevent it. Uh, they're pretty good at uh, finding out where the bodies are and what happened to them. They do this, Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, quite frequently. Rwanda in the the former Yugoslavia. So I hope they do complain to the United Nations and say there was a genocide happening in Canada. I mean, Justin Trudeau said there was a genocide in Canada. That's all the proof we need. Let's make a formal complaint to the United Nations and have them come excavate. Because if the local communities are not going to do this, to provide mm-hmm. healing and truth and reconciliation, let's get somebody from outside the country to do it. And, yeah. uh, you know, instead of just ground-penetrating radar rumors, let's get to the bottom of this, please.
1: Exactly. Hear, here.
0: Okay, let's hit that's, uh That's that. Let's hit an ad break. And then uh, we've got some Freedom Convoy stuff and uh, lots of stuff about the federal government wasting our money. Green, evergreen stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Justin Trudeau's new censorship
0: law, Bill C-18. It's a shakedown and a desperate attempt to keep the mainstream media afloat. Many have already lost their ability to access our Facebook and Instagram pages. The blackout will soon affect every user in Canada. We've partnered with Private Internet Access, a VPN provider dedicated to safeguarding digital privacy. For just $2 a month, you can maintain your access to our content across all your devices at piavpn.com slash rebelnews.
1: Do you want to start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? You're not alone. The wellness company's spike support formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twccanada.health slash rebel today.
0: All right, let's get into this next story. Um, For those of you who don't know, the trial of Freedom Convoy leader, spiritual leader of the anti-mandate movement, Tamara Leach, is proceeding um, towards the third week of this month in Ottawa. um, As you know, as I just pointed out, there are plenty of people who do real mischief and vandalism in this country. And they walk away scot-free. They can topple a statue and get their way. But Tamara, who led the convoy of tens of thousands of Canadians into their nation's capital, where they came to protest the lockdowns and mandates and ask for their freedom back completely peacefully. It was just like a week's long street party that may have been annoying to the residents, but it wasn't criminal unless you talk to the Crown prosecutors there. Um, I think Tamara's real crime was embarrassing the government. Uh, Her trial is uh, going forward. And uh, the ICC TV News has published a Canadian press article, reblogged a Canadian press article, (laughs) uh, talking about Tamara. The leaders of the Freedom Convoy, so I think Chris Barber also, Are preparing to answer to criminal charges next week for their part in the massive demonstration that gridlocked Ottawa last year. But the stakes go beyond the actions of two protest organizers, Tamara Leach and Chris Barber. Were amongst the most prominent organizers of the protest movement that rolled into Ottawa early 2022, and they're scheduled blah blah blah. blah. But that's not where the scrutiny will stop. Lawrence Greenspan, that's Tamara's lawyer, who is great. And if you want to donate to cover her costs, um, to to fight these uh, mischief charges against her. Uh, I think it's helptamara.com. Is that right, Efron? And that goes directly to the Democracy Fund, or Olivia, if someone could confirm that to me. Uh, It goes directly to the Democracy Fund, and because the Democracy Fund is a uh, registered Canadian charity with a focus on civil liberties litigation and education, you will receive a charitable tax receipt for that. So Mm -hmm. second Ottawa. Um, (laughs) So anyway... uh, You can do that there. Um, I think it's helptamera.com. Yes, it's helptamera.com. So they want to make this about the Freedom Convoy as a whole instead of what Tamara is charged with. So Mm -hmm. the fringe interlopers and hangers-on that were sort of on the edges of the convoy, who may have said and done some crazy things. They want to use that to paint the whole of the Freedom Convoy as that. And then Mm -hmm. thus, Tamara, who only ever called for peace, only ever called for love, only ever uh, went to Ottawa in the name of unity, who peacefully went out into the street looking for police to turn herself in. She went looking for police to turn herself in. And she told me she did it because she didn't want her husband to see her taken away in handcuffs. She said it would be traumatizing for him. That's the kind of woman she is.
1: She really Um, is.
0: And to speak to her, I would be so filled with bile and hatred for the people who took my freedom from me. And she is so peaceful. She doesn't have a resentful bone in her body and I'm resentful on her behalf.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, me too. (laughs)
0: She's Uh, so graceful
1: like she's handling all of this with such grace that's sort of the impression I got of her when I was doing the BC like of her book tour, which by the way the CTV article does mention her book which is interesting because it almost seems like they've been avoiding it. but um, just so people are wondering, what exactly are the charges? Both her and Chris Barber, I believe, have the same charges: so mischief, obstructing police, counseling others to commit mischief. That's that's the most laughable that's, one. It's
0: that's like, the one. That's the you, one where she where she would say like, uh, you know, like honk honk
1: yeah (laughs) like did they they go to like honking school like you push this for this like no it's it's so sad um and intimidation and so yeah you have these people who want to put the whole convoy on trial and and things like that I mean the article does say that this is going to be precedent setting and I agree with that because this was a peaceful movement they were um, you know, it was annoying to some of the people around there, but that's about as far as it goes. And they were working and willing to work with authorities as well. Um, and the prime minister yeah. instead just hid in his ivory tower and just threw the Emergencies Act on them. Like, it's, it's insane. So um, we're going to be covering this, of course, in a way that you can trust, just like we covered the, uh, the actual freedom convoy themselves and what's up with always putting freedom convoy in like exclamation marks isn't that scare weird those and itself?
0: about it's those are scare quotes
1: <laughs> yeah like scare they're like freedom <laughs> the scare quotes and stuff like that it's like no that's actually just the name of it um so Did do, you, yeah it, what? It just
0: like this is just making me walk down memory lane about how how ridiculous the original crown on this case was uh the one right. who appealed to they're the judge now right yeah he's gone yeah he's uh he's gone his Glenn McGregor is gonna have to find a new person to rat to um mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's a story I'll tell one day um anyways uh they they held her without bail little Tamara who's like four foot yeah. eleven she says she's five feet but I know she's lying um <laughs>
1: <laughs> she says four foot nothing yeah, they held nothing her for, grandma.
0: <laughs> for they held her for 49 days. There were times at which I was watching her trial and tweeting it live that I didn't real realize that she was in the prisoner's docket because oh. she's so small I couldn't see her. Um yeah. and they said that Justice Julie Bourgeois decided that um, Tamara would pose a risk to quote the physical, mental and financial health and well-being of Ottawa residents if she were to rekindle the protest but tamara never said that she would rekindle the protest she said let me go and i'll go back home it's over let me go and i'll go back home but they kept her just in case she thought uh i might i might walk down the street they basically banned her from ottawa like they banished her from her nation's capital because i think her crime truly truly was embarrassing the government being the most effective opposition justin trudeau has ever seen because this is her Turning yourself in. Yeah. It's so small
1: look her how tiny and- she is. So small, yeah. And both her and Chris Barber, they say, like, I mean, the word organized, yes, of course. I say they like organized it so it didn't get out of control. There is a lot that was grassroots about this. I mean, both of them say that they were just surprised at how many people actually showed up and the fact that it maintained this peaceful stuff and not just peaceful you know people were feeding the homeless it had really good vibes is impressive and that's where the organization is a blessing um you know that there were actual leaders that could keep this civil because people were angry rightfully so and I was I was just praying that there wasn't going to be a drunken fistfight that was going to be blown out of proportion but not even that happened <laughs> you know yeah. yeah so it's just uh, I I wish her the best and if you haven't read her book um what is it is it what's the url for that one so again con- C- it mentions yeah. it
0: yeah the convoy book and it's uh, Hold the Line, my story from the heart of the Freedom Convoy, written by my friend, the indefeatable uh, Tamara Leach. And yeah. you'll, you've you heard stories from people in the Freedom Convoy, but this is her story, what mm-hmm. she knows to be true and what happened to her and uh, how it, rest- the convoy itself restored her faith in her fellow Canadian. She moved from being... Yeah a Western separatist, or someone who puts her head on her pillow at night and dreams of Western separatism, that's me, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to a, a staunch Federalist, um, because she believes that Canada is worth saving, and Canada is yeah. not just its um, witless Prime Minister. So.
1: Well, the Freedom Convoy did that for so many of us. I think it was just to see everybody together, you know, um, it was great that Rebel News was covering protests because a lot of people would email and say, oh, my goodness, thank you for covering that protest. Now I know I'm not alone. But the Freedom Convoy did that on such a huge level from across the country. And I I can't forget, like, I remember I'm like, okay, like, I didn't know how big it was going to be either. And when It was like, okay, I'll go at, I think, five in the morning and meet with some of the trucks. I thought it was going to be like two or three trucks from leaving from Surrey. And I was like, oh my goodness, I think there's like 50 here. That's a lot for one stop in Surrey, BC. Like how many people are going to Ottawa? You know, it was was such a great Canadian moment in history. And that's why I bought my kids each a book too, because uh, they need this for the history books. And they're certainly not going to get it from the state schools at this point.
0: Uh, Let's breeze through these next few things um, because uh, two of them are about the government wasting our money. And the third one is about how Justin Trudeau uh, thought that he could run up against Facebook and win. And apparently everything he's tried to pull on Facebook (laughs) hasn't done anything. Uh Oh, somebody is bigger and more powerful than Mr. (laughs) Justin Trudeau in this country. Justin Trudeau yep. being the most surprised to learn it. So 39% of desk phones, this is from Black Locks. If you don't have a Black Locks subscription, uh, this is behind their paywall. <laughs> I love the, <laughs> look at the thumbnail they use. Uh, an empty federal government parking lot because these people still have not gone back to work. Um, so, yeah. Uh, 39% of desk phones uh, paid for by the federal government are not in use. Um, so the... Government found that they have over half a million fixed line desk phones at federal offices nationwide and 39% or 203,000, almost 204,000 were dormant. And of those nearly (laughs) 78,000 were permanently disconnected. And so um, as it turns out, most of the federal government or not most, but many federal government workers are still working remotely remotely. Um, fine. I don't care. Uh, Maybe they're scared. Maybe they like working in their pajamas. Maybe they're worried about the next COVID wave. Not my problem. But let's disconnect those landlines, if you wouldn't mind, and also sell the empty buildings. Sell the empty buildings, turn them into houses. Turn them into houses. uh, Put some new Canadians in those uh, new apartments that used to be federal buildings, and it uh, lifts the burden off. Um, some of these you, these municipalities to use, you know, to rezone land to build stuff and uh, the federal government does no longer have to maintain empty buildings. Um, disconnect yeah. the fa- phone lines, make some condos,
1: call it a day. I agree completely. And, you know, there hasn't been as many protests, but every time I covered a protest that was outside of a you know, a constituent's office, it didn't matter if it was municipal or provincial, like there was never anyone inside, you know, middle of the weekday didn't matter. Like, and then, you know, you ask people walking by and they're like, yeah, no one's ever there. And, and so it's yeah, get rid of it. What are we paying for this for? You know what I mean? What are you guys doing? <laughs> so,
0: yeah, it's my dream to just turn every federal government building in this country into a condo. this is
1: just (laughs) let's let's have you run sheila let's do it That will be your your campaign promise right there
0: (laughs) all the condos everything is a condo now Uh, um so um this next one is a story that i have been on since 2016 and the cbc has just discovered it um so that's great uh less than one in five federally funded car charging stations is operational this is thank you cbc for showing up seven years late to a story that I've been covering forever (laughs) um, because this comes out in order paper questions all the time Uh, curious conservative MPs will ask like hey what are the hours of use for this these chargers at fisheries and oceans and immigration and environment what are the hours of use of these chargers Uh, and they table them in the house of commons all you have to do is be also a curious little kitten like me And go find them, but nobody's curious in the mainstream media. And you can also find out um, how many of these uh, ministries actually have electric cars by which to use the charger in front of them. And many Mm -hmm. ministries have a charger with no car that's electric. And like, great. good job, yeah, guys. Or it's
1: like two lots. It's Or like out here, you can actually see like, I don't know if people are going around cutting the cords or they're just like breaking down. But like, even just not the federal stuff, like even like TD Bank, for example, I've noticed like they don't have any hose anymore or whatever you would call that. And I've seen that at the mall too. And I'm like, okay, so nobody's even replacing that. They have these installed, but then they're not actually even providing the service even to pay for it. And certainly, the yeah. ones that were free, I've noticed, like those are just not in use. <laughs> it's like you can't even. Uh, give it so away. much smoke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Or I'm, maybe I'm they don't gonna... want to give it anyway. Like maybe their bills too high now or something, so they're cutting the cords themselves. I should look into it. Like what happened? <laughs> I
0: I found car chargers that were in places they built them, and yeah. then they couldn't hook them up to electricity because. The, they were built in a place that couldn't access the electricity in an affordable yeah, way. Like they would have to, like, trench mess. and dig out a whole parking lot just to get electricity to the car charger so it could oh charge maybe the one or two cars a month that pulled up to this thing. And these were the ones run by the federal government. But uh, honestly, I'm quite relieved that nobody is using these things because we don't have enough electricity on the grid for the liberals fevered dreams about yeah. the amount of electrical cars we should be using. Like they say, the government invested uh, $768 million between 2016 and 2027 to buy and install nearly 90,000 chargers. We don't have the electricity for these things. No. We just no. don't. So, And 90,000 chargers? Do we even have 90,000 fully electric cars in this country? I'm not sure. I think we Good have question. somewhere around like... 50? Right? No, I think like in Alberta, and I pulled it up last week and I can't remember the number, but you can actually check uh because our government publishes this, thank God. Um The uh, vehicle registrations by fuel type. So I can just go look and see mm-hmm. how many... Diesel cars are on the road and hybrid cars are on the road and gas powered and propane and natural gas and uh, fully electric. And I think, um, there we go. I think this is the Canadian government. So hybrid electric, battery electric. Okay, so there were 95,896 plug-in electric vehicles registered in the whole country. And the feds have funded
1: wow the f-
0: nearly ninety thousand, so wow, you
1: could
0: you could very nearly get your own charger, yeah, for your electrical car, thanks wow. to the feds
1: what a mess what on earth
0: <laughs> what
1: that's crazy oh that's man. crazy, kind of it ties into uh good old your good old premier daniel smith uh slamming i love this climate criminal stephen gabo about attempting to limit alberta's energy resources it's kind of all connected but some common sense it looks like we're going to hear
4: i love her i have a good relationship with many of the federal ministers and i'm really hopeful as we put our table together that we're going to come to some constructive approach so that we can reach carbon neutrality by 2050 but i have to say i'm Constantly dismayed that Environment Minister Stephen Gibault continues to take shots against our province as we're trying to begin this collaborative process. He should be coming to the table in good faith. And he should zip it, quite frankly, because he's not helping when he starts talking about emissions caps, when he starts putting forward aggressive emissions reduction targets that are unachievable by 2035. I have to react to that. And I'm hoping that his colleagues will rein him in. The the targets being put forward by Environment Minister Stephen Guibault are arbitrary, not based on data, not based on science, seem to be plucked out of thin air and unachievable as well as being unconstitutional. And that's what we're pushing back against. If we can get oriented around 2050, we'll find a lot of common ground. So So, you
2: know, I I was speaking to the minister's office and clearly you're saying that your gripe here is specifically with the minister, not the government as a whole. Uh, But they're saying, you know, the government of Canada, the government of Alberta, uh, they have agreed to terms of a working group to develop a clean economy in Alberta and that you're really just posturing here. And if you really wanted to work with the government, you'd, you know, stop the posturing and get down to work on this.
4: Happy to do that. They need to tell Stephen Gabot, stick a sock in it so that we can get together at
3: the well, table. Well, they're saying they're that, saying that you need to do that.
4: Negotiations. Not at all. He's the one who's gone to China to give them advice on how to reach a 2060 target when they are bringing on two coal-fired plants a week for electricity. Meanwhile, from there, he is telling us that Suncor is going to face an emissions cap. That is being provocative. He's the one who has to dial it back, and as soon as he does, we'll be happy to have a constructive conversation at the table. But he's got to stop dropping bombs, and he's got to stop criticizing our industry.
0: Do you know what? Oh my gosh. She gets younger and prettier looking yeah. to me the more she fights with the feds. Like she's doing something. She's doing something different. She looks great. And then I she's realized. feeling alive. Yeah. And then I remember she's telling the feds to screw off and it's the most yeah. beautiful thing a woman can do.
1: yeah she's such a boss and like I mean there's so much there that she said that is so true and I love when she said like it's not based on data it's not based on anything it's pulling it out of thin air and of course the reference to him being an advisor for China of all places when you claim to care about these issues you're actually uh, doing that little side hustle there Um, you know she fit it all in there so nicely
0: she's great telling the feds to stick a sock in it. Just yeah. beautiful. You know what, we're going to have so many quotes from her when she's no longer premier. I hope she's premier forever at this point, <laughs> but there are going to be so many quotes from her. Like it's going to be the way I quote Ralph Klein now with his colorful language that I will look back and I will uh favorably quote this premier telling i already Gilbo, quote her he, i already quote her on he twitter because she says great walking in yep. oh she's, she's so great so one. she's an Alberta girl you know we're yeah. like that
1: yeah okay. i think the last <laughs> quote i did with hers was she said that i think you guys had 650 wildfires and 500 of them were human caused and it's just like yeah. you, bc's the opposite it's so hard to find uh I mean, you can find the information, of course, if you look it up, but you won't find like the premier ever saying anything like that. (laughs) He's never going to just say it. So,
0: yeah. 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 She just basically told this guy what was what.
1: Oh yeah. There, there it is. We can play it if you want. Yeah.
5: Premier, do you believe that climate change and the unprecedented wildfires we've been seeing this summer are at all I'm related? Unprecedented.
4: All, all I know is in my province, um, we had 650 fires and 500 of them were human caused. So we have to make sure that when people know that when it's dry out there and we get into forest fire season, that they're being a lot more careful because anytime you end up with an ignition that happens, it can have devastating consequences. And so that's uh, what I would hope that we can we can educate the public on that front as well.
1: Simple, to the point, accurate. The people are the idiots. (laughs) It's like, if you really want to stop the fires, educate the people causing the fires on how to stop them. It's really not rocket science.
0: And, you know, like that journalist thought that he just set out a big bear trap for her to stick her leg in. And she like came with the facts and she's like, you know, 500 of them are human started. Uh, So unless climate change is making people go crazy and turn into fire bugs, that's not not doing it. Yeah, yeah, and the rest are probably lightning, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's no. get to this Facebook, uh, Facebook thing um, because I alluded to it. <clears throat> so Meta, Facebook, Instagram, uh, the uh, Lizard King, Zuckerberg's <laughs> enterprise. Uh, Lizard King. <laughs> he's blocking Canadian news because he doesn't want to pay Justin Trudeau's shakedown. So Justin Trudeau has a law in Canada that it's the Online News Act that says that if you share a a news link onto social media, then the social media company then has to pay the journalistic organization which produced the news, Uh which is Justin Trudeau's way of getting somebody else to fund his friends in the media. But here's what this would mean, tangibly speaking. It's like forcing the newspaper boy who is mm-hmm. only delivering the newspaper to you mm-hmm. to pay the news company for the newspaper he delivered. What? Exactly. Right? It
1: doesn't make Zuckerberg, any
0: sense. Like, And Justin Trudeau was so bad that now I'm defending Zuckerberg, a man whom I just called I know. a lizard 45 seconds ago. But this is
1: where we're it's at. It's like the Doug Ford and Trudeau. Now it's this like, you know, I guess the pendulum is switching or something. <laughs>
0: Again, very unsettling for me. But anyways, according to, uh, and Justin Trudeau thought, oh, you know, like, I'm not going to back down when Meta continues to block Canadian news access because Canadians so love me that they will choose me and not the Mm -hmm. Zucker King. Well, that isn't the case. (laughs) So as it turns out, we're addicted um, to Facebook. (laughs) We are addicted to social media and you yeah. know what this is one of those times where i'm cheering for a social media addiction
5: to mm-hmm. plague
0: the minds of canadians so that it teaches justin trudeau a lesson and it's hard to teach a stupid man a lesson and that that might be the problem here but canadians have not left facebook on mass because facebook has picked a fight with uh justin trudeau they haven't mm-hmm. they they continue to use Facebook despite the fact that they can't get their news there. It sounds like maybe they're just going directly to the news outlets or maybe Canadians just don't care about seeing news on, on social media, which also could be the case, but they're not giving up their cat memes. And mm-hmm. um, you got me um, a cat meme, Sheila. And My cat goodness. memes and looking at <laughs> how well or how poorly the people who were mean to them in high school are doing these days. Um, they're, they're not giving that up. They like that. Uh, More than they like Justin Trudeau, which is uh, good news um, for my faith in my fellow Canadians.
1: You know what? We should look into have more people join Twitter uh, because you can still get your news on Twitter now quite easily. And I would say less in a less censored fashion, too. So that's interesting. But yeah, no, I'm not surprised. You hit it on the nail with cat memes. Um, This is pretty (laughs) much the reason I'm still on Facebook, is the cat memes. Me, too. yeah so I don't even have a cat, but I just love watching those videos. So um but yeah, and it's it's the second example that uh, his it, it reminds me I'm sort of like a uh, the uh, cartel or something like, we need our cut of your business kind of thing here. Um but he also, when um the liberals said, we're pulling out on advertisement except for our campaign, or like for our party. Um, They said, like, well, it was only going to be less than 1% of Meta's, like, revenue or whatever. Like, it was, like, no big deal. It's like, shoo away, you little uh, authoritative fly. Get out of my face until you uh, know your role and come back. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how long this will play out. But I suspect... The closer it gets to election time, if you know Facebook holds its ground, they're going to have to back down because they need their state media's narrative to come out about their party. That's the way I see it anyways.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right. And yeah, I think that's funny that the liberals are so unprincipled that they can't stick to their guns when it comes yeah. to not buying ad buys on Facebook for the party. Um, mm-hmm. It's palatable enough for the party, of which Justin Trudeau leads, but it is not palatable enough for the Canadian public to be able to uh, access their news via Facebook, which is, I think, where a lot of people had been accessing it. Maybe they just don't care that they're not seeing news anymore. Um, but, yeah, I I remain there for, like, the wrestling memes. Out of context, Dusty Roads, Friends, if you're watching at home, make that yeah. a like <laughs> in, in oh, your man. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, so we should hit an ad break and then um, if we don't have any, and then if we have chats, we'll go to those. And if we don't, we'll just tidy up a few uh, things from
1: uh, Saskatchewan. Now's the time time to weigh in through a chat on Rumble if you have something to say.
0: Because our friends in Saskatchewan, they're genociding vulnerable kids if you listen to the left.
5: In a world plagued by conformity where truth is distorted, freedom is a distant memory and Big Brother is always watching. One man, Winston Smith, looks to break through his bleak existence. Introducing the all new Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of George Orwell's iconic book, 1984. Now, more than ever, in the age of lockdowns, 15-minute cities, and World Economic Forum globalism, everyone must read 1984. Uncover the hidden depths of this literary classic with our exclusive illustrated edition that brings Orwell's haunting vision to life, Reborn with a foreword by Ezra Levant and 30 captivating new illustrations by artist Paul Revoch.
3: You see that Orwell is not only explaining what might come, but in my opinion, what's already here, even back when he wrote it in 1949, but much more so as we see revealed today, particularly with the last three years.
5: Join the rebellion against conformity. Get your hands on the Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of 1984, now available at buy1984.com.
0: Alrighty, let's go to Saskatchewan, New Brunswick, uh, to provinces exhibiting some pretty real sanity around uh, mm. this progressive hellscape of a country. And um, I'm, I was looking at some data this morning because um, I was talking with my friend Lise in Saskatchewan, who's really been a, a fighter on this issue, <clears throat> that there's a real appetite in Alberta for our provincial government to follow suit. Yeah. So... Uh, and of course, it's the conservative thing. And you know who will get prettier and just younger looking is Danielle Smith. <laughs> <laughs> she continues to do these things.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. But uh, in Saskatchewan and in New Brunswick, they basically have said, "Look, if if kids want to change their gender, we're not going to stop them, but mm-hmm. the parents should know, of course." And of course, like that is like, you don't, my, my kids are not going to have secrets with teachers. I'll tell you that much right now. And if you're a teacher who wants to have secrets with my kid, I'm just going to assume that you're some <laughs> sort of psychotic pervert. I'm sorry. I'm just Everybody used that. to,
1: everybody used to assume that like not too yeah. long ago, you don't have secrets with kids. Oh, especially sexually related secrets. Like, the, let's be honest. That's what this is. It's all about sexual Wait. orientation. Oh my
0: gosh. we gross. So, there was a poll Marcy, that came
1: out. Oh, go on.
0: Mar, yeah, so Marcy Yen, who it, her greatest claim to fame was much like Seamus O'Regan, talking on TV, reading scripts someone else had written. Um, I think she's on CTV as well. So just like all the like progressive uh, failures upward, I guess, from CTV. Those are just all going to be MPs now, I guess. Um, but anyways, she says that the um she's the minister for women gender equality and youth okay whatever that's a shouldn't that ministry shouldn't even exist but anyway yeah she's (laughs) she says policies in saskatchewan and new brunswick that require parental consent but and this isn't just all students this is students under the age of 16 so the minoriest of minors before students under 16 can can have schools use their preferred pronouns and names, puts transgender and non-binary kids in a life or death situation. Okay. So why am I even giving my kid a name at birth? Why am I? Because yeah. I should just. You're look not at supposed the to, zone. Sheila, You're
1: supposed to let them decide their name.
0: Right. I'm having a baby, not a baby. <laughs> um, so, but what, like I named my kid, I raised my kid. And then mm-hmm. as soon as they get to kindergarten, Some teachers like, actually, no, Uh, little Susie is going to be a little Steve and we're going to call him that. And you don't get a say in any of it. What kind of upside down world do these people think they're living in? However, I hope the liberals just put the pedal to the metal on this issue, because this is the one thing that turns centrists and people who don't pay attention to people like me who are on Team Millstone, where you if you want to sexualize little kids. Uh, let me tie the millstone around your neck and throw you into the deepest depths of the ocean, like Jesus said yeah. that we should do. I get right on team millstone. And all of a sudden people who are like we see this all the time at the protests where people who normally don't march in protest together are like holding hands um, to save the little ones from this nonsense. You've got Muslim parents, Christian parents, mm-hmm. new Canadians. They're out there all united in this cause and i uh, like i hope the liberals just ride this thing right to the bottom because this is the kind of thing that flips democrat states into republican states in the united states and so bring it bring it bring it on
1: yeah and you see you know these different groups you see actual diversity coming together and right. um standing <laughs> up against this issue but the truth of the matter is there is a significant silent majority They're not daring to go to these protests right now. They they don't want to be called a bigot or a transphobe or told they don't care about kids who might kill themselves. But they're just going to change their vote. I know people personally. I know NDP voters who are telling me for the first time they're going to vote conservative over this issue because they just think it's so messed up. But you know they're not going to tell their Facebook friends or anything like that. So you're right. Um, You know God uses all things for good in the end, and perhaps this madness uh, will end up with some actual change on this issue, because it's been an underlying issue in the school system that was really going under the radar for years. And it was affecting, you know, vulnerable kids who have social issues or have experienced trauma, you know, they seem to have been getting the brunt of this rapid gender dysphoria you can get from school, but now it's expand, they've gotten greedy with it. And they're just trying to separate parents from their kids essentially on a very basic fundamental level your child's identity it's it's nuts uh, there was a recent poll that came out we talked about it uh recently as well and parents want to know they enlarge uh, based on that poll parents want to know their child's identity go figure who would have thought and like i said before in a previous live stream some of those parents may be okay with their kid transitioning when i covered the story of out um in Castlegar, BC, Castlegar Elementary, a kindergarten grade one teacher decided in retaliation after a drag queen story time was canceled at a library to then subject the children without the parents' information in her K grade one class to her own drag queen story time. There were parents who said, Listen, I probably would have said okay to my child going to that, but I'm pissed off that I didn't even know about it. And I have to come, my kid came home and said, Hey, I I saw a dragon queen today and they're like, what the heck's a dragon queen? Like, you know, this is so shocking. It needs to end. And um, the good news is more and more parents are awake and we'll see how that uh, turns into the votes. But even so, like, for example, the Conservative Party is still pretty quiet on this issue. I do want to say in British Columbia, the only politician really speaking about this matter is... um, MLA John Rusted, who's also the leader of the Conservative Party of British Columbia, you know he's done statements about women and girls having their own safe spaces um, and that parents should, in fact, be able to decide. And I do believe Pierre Polyev recently has said something similar about it should be up to the parents. So slowly, uh, we're making some progress.
0: Yeah, I saw they tried to, uh, once again, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association for a moment in time, they were on the right side of history with uh, their uh, intervention into the public order emergency commission on behalf of peaceful protesters, but they've gone back to being crazy uh, because they are saying that this is a violation of trans students' rights. Um, they have a, a, these policies have a discriminatory impact on trans and gender diverse students," said. Uh, the Director of Equality Programs at the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. What about the discriminatory effect that it has on parents and our right Mm -hmm. to know what, what's happening with our kids? Mm -hmm. Um, if this guy from the CC or yeah, the CCLA wants to, uh, have a say in what my kids are doing. Great. I'll tell you where you can mail the child support check, but until (laughs) such time I'm in charge. Um, Mm -hmm. and they try to equate it to uh, students using nicknames. Students using yeah. nicknames, like shortening up um, Stephen to Steve or yeah. Patricia to Patty, that's a little different than your kid taking on the identity of the opposite sex. Something yeah, that really we yeah. know has a direct correlation I'm not making the causation claim, but there is a correlation to increased suicidality. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it, it is a, not only a correlation and a causation um, that post-gender transition, the suicidality goes out. But we at least know that there's a tie between kids struggling with gender identity and suicidality. Wouldn't you want the parents to know? Like, if you thought my kid, there was a potential for my kid to come home and hang yeah. themselves in their closet... And when you want me to know when you want me to be the look on the lookout for the, that stuff, yeah. or would you keep that a secret at school and then claim yeah. to care about that child
1: more than it's me? so backwards? Like before we used to say, you know, come out of the closet you know, accept people for their sexual orientation, come out, the family should be accepting. Now they're not even giving the family the opportunity. And that's when, you know, this has gone too far. And it's not even really about equality. It's about something else, because it doesn't make any sense to teach kids to hide their identity from their parents, not even give them a chance to be accepted if that's who they want to be. And just on it, like I said, on a very basic level, you're teaching children to not tell their parents things, which obviously can trickle into other things that they're doing as well. If authorities or figures that they're supposed to trust and respect are setting up that path, why would they tell their parents about other things?
0: Now, I'm angry. You're probably angry about this. I'm angry about a lot of things, but apparently Canadians are getting angry, and uh, we should just chill out, according to the Toronto Star. Um, here's what experts say is happening and how we can tame our temper. You know, there's such thing as righteous indignation, like in the face of injustice, you get angry enough to do something about it. Um, that's where I try to be all the time. I try to be a happy warrior, except when I see people sexualizing the little ones and pastors being arrested in front of their screaming, crying children, then uh, I, I feel like I'm angry, but I feel like it's righteous indignation at what I see before me. But the Toronto Star says that um, the, it's due to a litany of factors like COVID, the ongoing COVID-19 crisis. Stop. Stop already. It's not ongoing. Uh, skyrocketing costs of living. So, Justin Trudeau. The rage and divisions bubbling on social media and much, much more. The anger can then feed itself into a vicious cycle. Some experts say, "Okay, which experts? Which experts?" Leading us to disengage with our rational thinking minds and plunge further into hyperfixating on the negative. This from the Toronto Star, which has makes a, I think, a hobby. It might even be a, a business model of calling anybody again to the right of Chairman Mao a racist, bigot, sexist, homophobe white supremacist, crypto-Nazi. Um, I'm re- having a real tough time taking lessons on avoiding negativity from these people.
1: Yeah, no, that's all. I mean, you said it. it yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> like, it is what it is. It It's like, I can't believe we're even talking about this stuff like so often, but it's, yeah. I disagree. And I also got to run to the courthouse.
0: <laughs> oh, you got to I mean, run to the courthouse. Let's get you out of here. Yeah, Let's get you out of yeah. here. Okay. Uh, Olivia, do we have any chats today? Oh, we just have one. Uh, memory hole, 10 bucks. Uh If gender identity is as trivial as a nickname, then what's the big deal about telling parents? Great point. Great point. They can't uh-huh. have it both ways, can they? Very good point. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and that's is. another thing, too. If you're born gay, then how can your sexuality be fluid?
1: Yeah, and then also also
0: very confusing to me.
1: (laughs) There's so much confusing. Even like when it's like, okay, there's it's all fluid, but then they pick certain colors to to show that they're the opposite sex. It's very confusing. Imagine being a kid trying to make sense of any of this.
0: If we can't grasp it, it, I can't get it. I don't get it, and I wouldn't want to inject uh, little ones with this in in this terrible confusion okay we got to get drea out of here she's got to go to the courthouse she's working on a story um (laughs) thanks to everybody who tuned in thanks to everybody who pitched in a little bit to keep the lights on around here especially you memory hole uh thanks to everybody who works behind the scenes in toronto and across the country and really around the world to make sure rebel news is ready for you when you want to see us and thanks to my co-host drea who's working very hard she's got something to do and as my friend david menzies always says stay sane
2: I am doing something today that I have never tried before. Listen up. I'm looking for collaborators in a new and exciting initiative. As you most likely know, YouTube a long time ago demonetized Rebel News and we are 100% viewer funded. Now, while our supporters are fantastic at helping us cover legal campaigns and special reporting missions, unfortunately, the reality is our day-to-day operational expenses often exceed our income strength which is crazy if you think about it, because my videos across all platforms attract hundreds of thousands of views and sometimes even millions. So I wanna share that reach with the right partners. If you have a product or business and want to enter a win-win relationship with me, please go to rebelnews.com forward slash ads and fill in the form to let me know. I won't be accepting anyone. I need to believe in your business or product So i can sell it proudly for you and for successful applicants i will guarantee a minimum view count meaning even if your ad is published on the less popular reports we will keep promoting your business or product until it gets the agreed minimum eyeballs so again if you have a cool company or product that either wants to take advantage of my reach or want to support my work through advertising in a way that you can Write it off as a tax deduction or both. Head over to rebelnews.com forward slash ads and hopefully we can join forces soon.